The BJP all set to give Narendra Modi a bigger role at its national executive meet in Goa. Ahead of the next elections, it now seems a formality. Modi will be given charge of the party's poll committee. Expect that announcement on Sunday. The RSS favors the ascendancy of Narendra Modi. LK Advani doesn't arrive on the first day of the meet. Uma Bharti, Jaswant Singh and Shatrugan Sinha also miss. Advani supporters, apparently all of them are unwell. What's clear is the divide within the BJP. Can this meet of the party unite it or split the divide even further? I'm Vishnu Shom. You're watching India Decides. Here's our top story. For decades, LK Advani hasn't missed any crucial BJP meet. That's why his absence, even on health grounds, from this meeting indicated the presence of a faction in the BJP that's opposing Narendra Modi being pushed to the front of the party. This has divided the BJP into with Modi or against Modi camps. Though Uma Bharti too has said no to attending the meet, she has been batting for Advani. Jaswan Singh and Shatrugan Sinha had opposed Advani in 2009. But since they are said to be not in favor of Modi, they are staying away. मेरे अपने विचार हैं निश्चित रूप से और मैं इसको पार्टी के उचित प्लेटफॉर्म पर जरूर अपनी प्रतिक्रिया देती हूं आप भी हमारे परिवार के अंग हो लेकिन कुछ बातें ऐसी होती हैं जो परिवार के अंदर भी फिर वन टू वन में सीमित रह जाती हैं तो इसलिए ये बात ऐसी है जो मेरे और राजनाथ जी के बीच तक सीमित है मैं नहीं जा रहा हूँ मैं अस्पताल जा रहा विद अडवाणी अपोजिंग मोदी सुषमा स्वराज विनय कटियार यशवंत सिन्हा एंड मुरली मनोहर जोशी हैव टर्न हिज एलाइज while Modi is backed by Arun Jaitley and several others. So deep is the divide that the absentees force the BJP president to issue a virtual there is no divide clarification. Advani ji has been made by Advani ji, but I have not made them that they will not come here, but they are going to reach Advani ji. At the meet, Modi sat in the last rows, but led the news about the meet. He had met his party chief few days ago. Then on Thursday, Rajnath Singh met top RSS leaders during which issue of greater role for Narendra Modi and the meet's agenda were discussed. RSS wants the BJP to send a signal about Modi. RSS said yes to an announcement on Modi during the meet and an announcement is likely on Modi as chairman of BJP's poll committee on 9th of June. In distant Goa, the state chief minister echoed the mood. Party agar jitni तो नरेंद्र मोदी को प्रोजेक्ट किया तो जितने के चांसेस आसार बढ़ जाते हैं कब करना चाहिए इसका टाइम टेबल कार्यकारिणी ने तय करना चाहिए सोर्सेज से अडवाणी विल बी देयर एट द मीट ऑन सैटरडे दोस्ट क्लोज टू हिम से ही इज अपोजिंग द आरएसएस वीटो एंड आल्सो इज अगेंस्ट मोदीज एलिवेशन एट दिस जंक्शन बट द कार्डर्स आर बैकिंग मोदी some leaders are openly asking for modi's anointment this national executive will definitely give a strong signal of who, uh, how we are going to march towards 2014 and winning those elections. No doubt about it that he is the most popular face. And uh, I don't think that that question can be even, even debated now. But can Advani be ruled out? In December last, he scuttled a RSS-backed move to give a second term as BJP president to Nitin Gadkari. Also, he's now using the NDA acceptability element to leverage support against Modi. The BJP's conclave may end up deciding what's next for BJP and the 2014 elections. That's why strong political reactions are flowing in.
In 2002, at the BJP's Goa conclave, mentor L.K. Advani had protected his protege, Narendra Modi, who was facing fire over the Gujarat rights. Now, in 2013, again in Goa, will L.K. Advani win or will Narendra Modi walk out of the meeting venue smiling? Will Rajnath Singh, the party president, use Narendra Modi as a wonder drug to revive the party or will he go for curing Advani's sulk? It's monsoon time in Goa. Please be prepared for a lot of thunders and showers outside and inside the meeting venue. With Rajendra Inpanaji, Rahul Shivastam for NDTV. So will this meet of the BJP in Goa be about perhaps bringing the party together, rallying around Narendra Modi, or is the split within the party there for all to see perhaps something which may be increased in this meet? Joining us to discuss... All of this, Prakash Javrekar, spokesperson of the BJP, Rajiv Gowda, spokesperson of the Congress Party, Gaurav Bhatia of the Samajwadi Party, Bharat Kumar Rao of the Shiv Sena, and senior journalist Siddharth Bhatia with us. Mr. Javrekar, let me come to you first. Is this meet in Goa all about the ascendancy of Narendra Modi? Is this basically the stage at the end of which everybody in the country will know that he is your main man? He is the person who is going to be leading the BJP into the next election. Let me tell you the fact. First, the decision about leadership is being taken by the parliamentary board and at least as of now parliamentary board meeting is not scheduled in this meeting. But party arrangements for election can be declared anytime by the president after consulting the senior leaders. That's the party conventions and the rules and regulations and the constitution. More than that, what the, why you are discussing, the whole media is discussing Modi, Modi, Modi because of a fact that country is very much frustrated and angry with the Congress government. They want to dump this government. They want somebody who can deliver. They want somebody who represents non-corrupt good governance. And Modi has become an icon of non-corrupt good governance. But Mr. Javrikar, there is no, no doubt that he may be the icon in the country, but why is it that nobody is shouting Sushma, 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 or why is it that nobody is saying Advani, Advani, Advani? Uh, because a lot of people feel, even within the BJP, that these are leaders who should very well be in any leadership issue. Alright, we'll just come back to Mr. Javdekar in a moment. Let me just go across to Rajiv Gowda. Mr. Gowda, would you like to reflect on that point mentioned by, by Prakash Javdekar that there is a rallying call in this country and certainly within the BJP on Narendra Modi. Yes, there may be a divide in the party and we'll speak to the BJP about that as well. But Narendra Modi is the man of the moment and going into the elections, there doesn't seem to be a taller leader for most BJP workers. Well, it's a sign of desperation on the part of the BJP that they don't have a program, an ideology, anything that could capture the imagination of the people of India. They have to turn to one gentleman with a very, very mixed record who is on a very massive public relations spree uh, trying to convert an image. Uh, you know, which is uh, what that of a communal and divisive character to someone who is embracing development. 
So really, uh, and, and you can see that there's a massive effort to try and, you know, uh, uh, you know, he's basically an icon for one section of the BJP that's coming out very clearly and not for anybody else. And um, really, it's a sign of desperation. What, uh, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about, actually, and I think this is what Advani is reflecting by staying away, it seems to be a pers one person's takeover of a massive political movement. Right? I mean, and very soon it's going to become a very personalized, individual-driven party. And, um, you know, Sagarika Ghosh recently had written about this is the beginning of the end of the RSS and its control over the BJP. You know, so I think... But Mr. Gowda, how is it um, the end of the RSS of if the RSS itself has said that Narendra Modi Som, deserves Som, to rise? Som. One second, Som. Mr. Gavrekar. Well, I, I, I heard you. Yeah. I heard you say that. I heard Som. you say that. Yeah, Mr. Javrekar, Mr. Javrekar, I'm coming to you in one second. Mr. Javrekar, in one second. Yeah. Mr. Gowda, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm quoting Sagarika Ghosh and her point of view that essentially this seems to be the end of any kind of external control. You now have one man sitting in uh, Gujarat who will control the entire party and everything that goes along with it. Okay, and Mr. Javrikar, let, uh, let me just begin Mr. Javrikar to respond to that. Mr. Javrikar, Sanjay Joshi, what happens to anyone who opposes him, right? All right, so, so we'll, 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 we'll put that across to him as well. No Mr. Javrikar, Mr. Javrikar, two issues over there. What yeah. happens to anybody who opposes Narendra Modi? And that Narendra Modi coming to the fore basically means that the RSS or anybody else would have lost their, their voice. No. Both interpretations are wrong. Let me tell you the fact that BJP and what is the difference between BJP and Congress? Congress has to search leader in one family only. They can't have out of family. So what we have done, we have galaxy of leader at state level and central level. Like Modi, our each chief minister has outperformed and has done miraculous job. And at central level, we have like Patriarch uh, Advani ji, Sushma ji and other leaders. And all these leaders are uh, nurtured by Advani ji, uh, right from Modi to everybody. So his role is absolutely... So how is Advani ji nurtured Narendra Modi? How is Advani ji nurtured yeah. Narendra Modi? Particularly since he wanted a poll no, committee no, to be what, headed what, by somebody what, else. What, he what? said he wanted your poll committee no, no, to be headed. He has. By Nitin Gadkari, a second poll committee. No. Mr. Rajnath Singh has rejected both no, those no, proposals. This is, these are all rumors. I can't react on rumors. See if media continues unsourced or source stories which are unauthenticated. How can I react to that? <laughs> Sir, the media the gets all stories from all political parties on the basis of sources. I mean, you can't. Uh, that's the way it works. I sir. agree. Right, and we can't. We can't. And everybody is reporting the same thing. I am on record. I am on record saying that we have the galaxy of leader and today Modi is the most popular leader and people are craving for BJP to present somebody. Okay. That's a basic decision. Whether you are presenting the leader before the election or after the election or what you are going to do, I think just wait for a few hours or okay. few days. So we will wait for a few hours, a few days. Because but I want to ask an alliance partner of yours, Bharat Kumar Raut of the Shiv Sena. Mr. Raut, is the Shiv Sena in favor of Narendra Modi being projected as the prime ministerial face of the NDA? Hypothetically, it could quite likely happen. Or do you believe that Sushma Swaraj would be a better choice? And listen, here, good that you asked me the question right at the beginning. 
This is because now the moves are to make Mr. Narendra Modi the chief of the BJP campaign. It is, it is okay because it is the matter between within within BJP. We have nothing to do about it. When it comes to where the prime ministerial candidate, uh, whoever comes will be the prime minister candidate of the NDA, of which Shivasena is one constituent. So our our demand right from beginning is that if if BJP has to nominate anybody as a prime ministerial candidate for uh, the for NDA, then that issue should be taken up. With, with the NDA first, let all constituents of NDA sit together, discuss, deliberate and come out with what one name and then we are okay with it. We are neither opposing Modi nor supporting him at the moment. Yes, no, we have sir, How can you neither oppose him or no, support him? I mean the Shiv Sena hasn't made up its mind. So has the Shiv Sena made up its mind or not? Because you are saying two things. Yes. You are saying you don't oppose him. Yet you don't endorse him either. So what are you saying, sir? I, let, let, let me complete. What I say, we are not against Modi. We would like to have him, but we also have a couple of other names in mind. But let constituents of India sit together, discuss a couple of names, and whoever emerges as the as the uh, uh, unanimous choice, we are with it. We are we are always remained with with India. So if Narendra Modi the emerges first, first as partner, the unanimous choice the first of the uh, of the, the NDA, first then you are okay of, with of it. India. Bottom line yes, is that but, but it, if he but, is the but, unanimous but candidate, he is okay with you. We yes, know that as far as the JDU yes, is concerned, yes. they aren't very happy. So it exactly. really boils down if, to the Shiv Sena and a handful of other parties. So, listen, so why, why, why are you asking hypothetical questions? Let all constituents of India sit together. We will we'll sit, we will we'll deliberate and whoever emerges as a choice, either by unanimously or by, by good majority, we are with it. But we are. Why do you want us to say that Narendra Modi is our choice or Narendra Modi is not our choice? We are not all for it. We have been. Sir, the Shiv Sena makes up it its mind usually very early and makes its statement. In this particular case, you it, aren't making it, a statement. Exactly. It's only a fair interpretation that you aren't happy about Narendra Modi as the first choice. No, 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 no. You are no, no. You are, don't make judgment of it. Don't make judgment okay. of it. Don't put words in my mind. I am saying that uh, definitely Narendra Modi has caught the imagination of at least BJP workers. At least BJP uh, okay, workers. Okay, but he's not caught the imagination of Shiv Sena workers as yet. It All of the not, Shiv Sena because, because we no because we still have we still have open mind. We have Sushma Prasad Swaraj in front of us. We have Lalkrishna Advani in front of us. We have Modi there. Right. So uh, choice could be anything. But for that, for that again, the proviso is the BJP should come. Uh, and hold a meeting with NDA. It cannot be unanimous choice, so, only a choice okay. of BJP. It, it cannot be uh, a unanimous make, choice. Make I just want, yeah. before I go back to Mr. Javrekar, I wanted to go across to Gorobhatia of the Samajwadi party. So there is a, a, a sense of elation in large parts of the BJP that they have waited for very long. Opposition by LK Advani has been pushed aside. This is now all about the beginning of the Narendra Modi show. We are seeing Modi now truly take his role at the center. How does the Samajwadi see this? Do you see this as a serious challenge to your election prospects in the next elections? Vishnu, I would uh, start by saying that uh, the Congress has failed as a government, but even the BJP has failed as an opposition first. And what we see today is a very divided house where the senior leaders of the BJP themselves are not open to the idea of Narendra Modi being the prime ministerial candidate of the BJP.
and they might also have valid concerns like the concerns of various other parties and the citizens of this country. The concern is this, that can we have a leader for the prime ministership who does not enjoy secular credentials? Can we have a leader who has been morally at least responsible for Godra Riot's massacre? And that person has not apologized to the nation. And it is not only about the BJP. When the BJP is not united, even the NDA, there are very important allies of NDA that are opposed to the idea of having Narendra Modi as the prime ministerial candidate. For the Samajwadi party, I would say that we did very well in the 2012 election. It is good for us that, you know, we would put up a strong front in the next forthcoming Lok Sabha election. And the third front, and especially the Samajwadi party, would be playing a very major role in the uh, formation of the government in 2014. And our leader, Mr. Mulayam Singh Yadav, definitely would play a very important okay. role because we will emerge as a very large party, at least having 55 to 60 seats. All right. Uh, I'm going to come across to Siddharth Bhatia in a moment. But before that, Mr. Javrekar, there is a question mark from a lot of people about the health of L.K. Advani. It's not often, in fact, possibly never, that someone of the stature of L.K. Advani has missed the first day of an event like this. You've got Shatrugan Sinha, who I believe is not attending. You've got Jaswant Singh, who's not attending. You've got a few other leaders who are out of the country for very valid reasons. But you've got Uma Bharti not attending. As far as interpretation is concerned, it seems to be those in favor of Modi and those against Modi. Those, many of those against Modi or seem to be against Modi are not there. How do you respond to this, Mr. Javdekar? No. This is, this is yet again a media analysis which has no basis. Uh, because let us understand that even in NDTV, every day there will be 5-10 people who said they will come but they cannot come because they are, uh, they are ill. That's so common, so that's nothing new. As you know, and some who are outside the country, so they, they, they were already, they had already communicated to the party. Yeah, no sir, I am not talking Even about Ravishankar Prashad or Varun Gandhi. I am talking about Shardhan, I am talking about Uma Bharti, I am talking about Jaswan Singh. Three leaders. But, they, but they, see, their health is not a secret thing. They are, today, are not in position to travel. So that's the doctors. Otherwise you can ask them. The issue is, Advanij is still in such situation, wanted... Uh, wanted even to come to Goa today itself. But then even Rajnath ji asked him uh, that he should take rest for one day and for tomorrow's main executive he can, he, he, he should come. Okay. So that is what uh, Rajnath ji said because we are all his disciples. So for us he is like Guru. Alright, well, well the Guru is arriving tomorrow. Siddharth Bhatia, is this an interpretation that you, uh, that you accept? that all of these leaders have all apparently at the same time fallen unwell. Well, uh, there is, I think it's a fairly easy interpretation to make. It may not necessarily be right. I think Mr. Javrekar has a point when he says that, you know, don't overanalyze it, especially if they are going to come tomorrow. But it's an easy interpretation that all those who are uncomfortable with the idea of Mr. Modi taking center stage and at the same time comfortable with the idea of Mr. Advani's uh, ascension 
are the people who have developed an illness simultaneously. So it's like, you know, almost like a political illness. So I think that interpretation is fairly valid. You might say that the media overhypes it. You might say all kinds of things. Let us see how the next two days go. But the bigger point is, and I think that is what ultimately we'll have to see. Let us assume that despite the resistance of somebody as important and as senior as Mr. Advani, who, mind you, is a potential PM candidate himself, Mr. Modi is made in charge of the election campaign. Let us imagine that that happens. Does that solve anything? It just starts a process. <coughs> There's still a long way to go. He still has to win over everybody to his side. The dissidents are not going to give up that battle. They are going to resist him becoming anything bigger than just the election campaign manager. Then you've got to win over the allies, the Shiv Sena here, my friend Bharat is sitting there and equivocating. Then you have JDU, uh, who's worried about Lalu Prasad Yadav. Then you still have to win 180 to 190 seats. So it's just a long, long process. And I think at every level there's going to be a hurdle. So the illness is just the beginning of a situation where the BJP will never be a happy united group in the next few months. Prakash Javrekar, go ahead. No, it is very simple that the whole country expects BJP to win. And that's why the whole country is discussing BJP. They are not discussing uh, who will be the leader of the Congress. Because there is one limited choice and they, they know that they are not going to vote for them. So it's a BJP, why? that is why media is also concentrating. And let me tell you very clearly. That Gujarat is the only state where in last one decade there is not a single riot. I think let us read this properly. Why this has happened? Because development, equitable development and more than that a strong sense of participation from all sections of society has ensured that progress is the mantra, development is the mantra and that's why uh, people are not... Uh, now earlier Gujarat used to be infamous for riots in Congress regime, but now there are no riots. That's a real thing. Unless we accept the reality, we can't reach to the real conclusion. Rajiv Gaudab, why don't you, you respond to that point? Hmm. That in the last decade, there haven't been when? any riots in Gujarat. Is it time for the Congress and other parties to move beyond the rhetoric of Godra? Right? Because Narendra Modi and his, has his vows no, no, of development. No, no. The statistics seem to indicate development taking place. And ja Mr. Javrekar makes a point that there have been no riots in a decade. So on what grounds are you criticizing him apart That's from Kodra? And there's a legal process happening there. That is because that is because the people who organize the riots are in power in Gujarat. That is essentially what's going on. And uh, you know, now basically look at this look at the other point. Okay? This whole this whole discussion, this whole discussion about Prime Minister is so beside the point. You know, Mr. Modi came to Karnataka and campaigned in multiple centers and had no effect whatsoever. By the time he got to Mangalore, he even became desperate. He took away his de development camouflage. He basically brought up communal issues and still the uh, entire city and the coast, we swept, the Congress swept. But he's just won six of six seats to his own hardcore BJP followers in a very limited position. But Mr. he's just won six of six as Mr. Gaudek in Gujarat, the media should get over this fixation about Prime Minister, Prime Minister. But it's Mr. Gaudek, you're talking about Narendra Modi not having made an impact in Karnataka. He's just won six on six in Gujarat in bipoles. 
Yes, and that would that would be absolutely yeah, possible. Yadurapa is to keep winning. You know, by-elections tend to happen that way. The party in power tends to win the by-elections that take place. You know that. Mr. Javdekar, don't read too much. All the six were Congress seats. All the six were Congress seats. I am aware. And always in the, actually actually yeah. in by-elections, always it is the opposition which has an upper hand. But here. Now you have changed the rule not and say that uh, it is the ruling not party which is not true. No, please, please go and do some research, Mr. Javadekar. No You'll find that it. the ruling party tends to win many, many, many seats. I just gave you the example of Karnataka. Yeah. Okay. All right, Mr. Bhatia, go ahead. Vishnu. Yeah, I, I have another reason to doubt his secular credentials. You know, if you look at the. Uh, last assembly election list out of the approximately 200 seats in Gujarat, not a single person from the minority was named as the candidate of the BJP. Why was it so? Was there nobody worthy in Gujarat from the minority community who could have been a BJP candidate? And you were talking about, uh, you know, ignoring Godra, the kind of carnage that took place in Gujarat, 1100 lives were lost. You know, it was 100 times more than all the riots put together. And that too, his, the, the uh, no, chief minister no, does not apologize wrong. to the nation. He says absolutely he regrets wrong. that incident. Absolutely wrong. Yeah, please correct me if I am wrong. I will give you statistics please of correct earlier me if I'm wrong. Uh, Your earlier list right. did not even have one minority person. Mr. Javdekar, respond. That is not the no, sole Vishnu, criteria. May I, may I say something? To take society along. Yes. There are n number of sub-operations and all uh, municipalities. Siddharth Bhatia, go ahead. Out of 200 candidates, yeah. not no, a I single was just going to say Muslim. that it's a bizarre Gaurav, one second. Siddharth, go ahead. Gaurav, Mr. Yeah, uh, I think it's a really bizarre situation we've reached in our political debate in this country when you are looking at somebody who might become the future prime minister of the country, certainly a very important leader of his party, running a state, and we are sitting and comparing you know, the relevance of riot numbers and to say that, you know, there's not been a single riot in the last 10 years after a horrific carnage and to say, oh, it's been the very, very peaceful and all that. This is hardly the debate here. I think the debate is very clear. Will this, whatever Mr. Modi comes with, convince firstly his own party? And I don't think it will because there will always be dissidents. Convince the allies, not necessarily. Convince the voters. I'll give you a simple calculation. You're looking at South, East and Northeast, several states gone. BJP will probably win three seats uh, in about 200 odd. Out of the 370, which includes Maharashtra, Madhya Pradesh, Rajasthan, Gujarat, and say Punjab and Delhi, they have to therefore get 180 to 200 seats. Where, are they, where is it possible? So why are we jumping the gun? We are saying yeah. that yes, he will probably get propelled by his uh, followers. The BJP's uh, cadre is very keen you. on getting Mr. Modi in. There is no doubt about that. He has support in the country. He you. will be propelled to something on Sunday, perhaps to higher things in the next few months. But where are we taking him from here to actually sitting in Delhi? Because I think the numbers simply do not fall in favor of the BJP as things stand. I think that actually is a is a is a, a point Vishnu, we need to. Uh, I think I, I think this is a good I, point. I will, yeah, All right, Mr. Javikar, last last 
Mr. Javik, go ahead. Mr. Rauth, I'll come to you after Everybody knows the Everybody knows the election, election mathematics and 2009, BJP won 116 seats but lost 106 seats below the margin of 1 lakh votes. Now the situation in last 5 years has changed so much. Congress has lost so many votes and we have gained in stature, in number and that's why we are hoping for a big win. Okay, but Mr. Javrekar, I'm sure you'd be the first person so to accept that even irrespective of who you select as your prime ministerial face, whenever you do, it's still going to be a tough election. But Bharat Raut, last comment to you before I end this discussion. Mr. Raut, go ahead. Yeah, Vishnu, Vishnu, I am just, I was, I was wondering, and this I wanted to say for a long time. Yes. That it is, it is a time that all the political parties, particularly those who are non-BGB parties, to stop talking about secularism and communalism. Tell me who is the real secular party in this country and who is communal? That's what fair. do we say when, you call, when point, you call BJP and one minute, one minute, yes. when we call Modi? When, uh, when you communal, divide the nation what, on what, religious what lines, happened? then you are not a secular party. Let me complete, boss. Let me complete. Let me complete. Okay, Mr. When, Raut, when uh, wh what do you, what do you, how do you describe the carnage of Sikh community in I Delhi? Was it communal or was it secular? Who were guilty of that? Who were held responsible? Well, who, what is it? They yeah, are, even that is deplorable. Two wrongs would exactly. not take the right. No, let, let me let me complete now. So therefore, there is no, uh, another thing. Those who call themselves secular, do they dare to contest? Another religion candidate in the constituency. Oh, no, I think I think Mr. Rao, we, we are getting away from the point, and, but you you make some <coughs> in, important points which we need yeah, to so discuss better, later. Better, better, but I think better, let's better, just, just, just to summarize, we need, to, we need to focus for the moment on what happens with Narendra Modi. He is very much the man of the moment as far as the BJP is concerned. But is the BJP truly a united party? We'll get to know in the hours and days ahead. Thank you all very much for joining us. It's been touted as the biggest deal in the Indian aviation space, but we've been getting reports that the Jet Etihad deal could in fact have some critical stumbling blocks. Let's bring you some of the details. Now firstly, a backgrounder to the deal. Etihad picked up a 24% stake in Jet for a little more than 2,000 crore rupees. As, and simultaneously, or almost simultaneously, there was an agreement between Abu Dhabi, that's where Etihad is based, and India, whereby the seats on the sector were increased to 36,670 seats per week. Now, that's a substantial increase from what exists now. So these two things came together. It sounds all good, but there are critics. Who's actually opposed all of this? The Parliamentary Committee on Aviation, Dinesh Trivedi of the Trinamool Congress, Dr. Subramanian Swami, and Sitaram Yachri, who heads that parliamentary committee, they've got specific problems. What are these problems? Let's bring you a couple of brief quotes from some of these players. Firstly, the parliamentary committee says that it's surprised to see this increase in bilateral seats a week between India and Abu Dhabi. Prima facie, this move appears to facilitate. What does it facilitate? It facilitates Jet Airways, one airline, to strike a deal with a foreign airline, Etihad, for its stake sale at a huge premium. One more quick quote in this. What has Dr. Subramanian Swami said? He says, this is a deal that's fraught with serious national issues, patently for sweetening the private purchase of Jet Airways' substantial equity by Etihad. But let's bring to you a couple of the specific concerns which exist in this deal. 
Firstly, Abu Dhabi would become an offshore hub for Indian traffic. Now, this already exists. A lot of people say in the case of Dubai and Emirates Airlines. Everybody travels to, to Dubai to travel elsewhere in the world. In this case, something like that is going to be replicated. More Indian passengers are going to be moved out of India to go to a hub elsewhere and then fly away. So they won't necessarily come to Mumbai or to Delhi. They would fly to Abu Dhabi. Now, thousands of crores have been spent to revive Air India. Why? Air India is a key question over here. What about Air India? All of these passengers who are actually traveling out of the country are doing so at the cost of the national carrier, Air India. Remember, thousands of crores of rupees have been spent on Air India. Why, if this airline doesn't necessarily have a future in terms of passengers who would opt out of the country? Now, the Middle East carriers already have substantial benefits over Air India and other Indian airlines. What are they? Cheaper fuel, lower airport charges, it all builds up. Another deal, it means that Indian airlines like Air India in deep trouble if this deal between Jet and Etihad is allowed to finally go through. A few more concerns. The U.S. may set up customs facilities in Abu Dhabi. Again, bad news for the national carrier. Why? It takes hours sometimes to clear customs in the United States. If you are clearing customs for one or two flights in Abu Dhabi, then you don't need to face those lines potentially in the United States. So this is something that also works against um, against the national carrier Air India. Now, what does the government, which is in the process of clearing this deal, have to say? They say, this is all per the FDI policy in aviation. It's good. Similar agreements have been signed with Singapore, Oman, Qatar, and Hong Kong as well. A couple of other points, if we can bring up those points. Jet and Air India have a limited capacity. They just don't have the seats. People want to travel out of the country. Why? Because international traffic is projected to grow at 9%. The government says it's obliged to react to what passengers want. Passengers want to travel. Etihad and Jet are bringing in seats. Let them have this deal. This is what the government is thinking. Two sides over here. Where does this debate finally go? Well, in last, just the last little while, I've got a statement from Jet Airways uh, who was aware of the story that, we were, uh, that we've just reported. They say that the strategic alliance between Jet Airways and Etihad is in the national interest and will benefit both the consumer and the traveling public. Jet Airways' valuation was on the basis of its share price and its brand value. The suggestion that the valuation was sweetened by the bilateral deal with Abu Dhabi is plainly untrue. That's what Jet Airways is saying. Well, is this deal fair? What does it mean for the Indian consumer? Is it anti-national? Joining us to discuss this, Dilip Cherian, Kapil Kohl. And also with us, uh, Jitender Bhargav, former director of Air India. Mr. Bhargav, let me come to you first. What's wrong if passengers in this country have access to more seats? Uh, Air India can't provide that. They don't have the wherewithal to provide that. If Etihad is doing that now, what's wrong? Vishnu, it is not as simple as it is being made out. The reality is that you've got to look at the Indian aviation's future first. Air India is only a part of the Indian aviation. You cannot be investing money in Air India and other carriers in airports renovations. Now what you need to do is to have a comprehensive aviation policy first. Go by the policy. Now what are we witnessing today? Jet Airways statement is on expected lines that they've got a fair valuation based on what their own performance is and that the seats were not a sweetener. Everybody will acknowledge this fact that but for the seats, the FDI in Jet Airways wouldn't have taken place. It's a very, very clear understanding of it. Question is, why did the government coincide 
the allocation of seats along with the Jet Etihad Agreement. Another question to look at. Now, when you look at a policy for Air India, who has been ordering aircraft for Air India? The government of India. Why did Air India go in for the 777 with 300 seats? Because India had a policy and Air India was supposed to play a role. Now, if you allow passengers to go to Abu Dhabi from various cities in India, 23 cities that JET is proposing to do, now what will Air India do with a 300-seater aircraft? Number one, what will Delhi Airport and Mumbai Airport do when they do not get feed from various other airports? Are these aircraft supposed to be on ground? Will government of India compensate? I don't wish to say much on the government because government has been a very, very dismal, bad owner of Air India. No owner has treated okay, so a we will talk about the ownership of Air India later. I want to bring in Dilip Cherian to a key point that was mentioned there by Mr. Bhargav. He said that Etihad is actually in on this deal because of the additional rights they've got in terms of seats. This is a national asset which has been given to a foreign airline. You know, I think that there's too much of this debate being framed around national asset, Air India, Air India's revival. I think ultimately aviation policy has to look forward. It has to look at only two real players. The players are, one, the customer, and two, national interest. Mm -hmm. And as far as national interest is concerned, it can't be tied to one public sector company. Meaning, otherwise, for example, you would have a situation where also the airports would have been in the same situation that they were in the 80s or the 90s. You know, you have to go ahead, look for investment, make sure that these monoliths can grow and survive, and it can't be at the behest of state funding, state supplying them market support, and the state expecting it to provide, uh, but you know, passengers with comforts. But does it happen? As you make that point, Kapil, how would you respond to those who say that, look, willy-nilly, we have been providing taxpayers thousands of crores to Air India. There was a decision taken to save the airline, number one. Number two, there is a great deal of investment which has gone in to Delhi Airport and Mumbai Airport. They are world class. Uh, Mumbai will certainly become world class. Delhi already is world class. They're supposed to be hubs. Now, all of a sudden, you say, okay, to another airline to come in, all the passengers who could have gone through Mumbai and Delhi are going to Abu Dhabi and then flying elsewhere. What about all the money the taxpayers have paid? Well, I think it's a good debate, firstly. Uh, I'd like to just say two things to start with. I, I believe that we have been uh, advocating the need for FDI for the last 10 years. Yes. And we welcome it. We strongly welcome it. We believe there's a landmark decision and one of the best decisions the government has taken. And we consider it as game-changing. But it's turning out to be game-changing for only one commercial entity as the deal... Uh, as this deal has progressed. It's no denying the fact that uh, this deal would not have gone through if the bilateral entitlements uh, were not granted the way that has been granted. We may say, Jairavis may say anything, or the government might say anything. Uh, the fact is that bilaterals have been central to this deal. Our issue with this deal is on, on two counts. We welcome FTI, but it must be not that you create such distortions in the policy framework which look to be suiting one particular entity. Our um, you know, advice and our suggestions to the government has always been create an equitable framework. And I'll define what an equitable framework is. Today you've got a game-changing deal for JET. They've enhanced the bilaterals to 50,000 seats on both sides. More important, inclusion of a code share. Make sure that, and also 23 points, which out of that government is given 20. 
Now suppose there is a deal that SpiceJet comes to the table. It's a national carrier. We, I, I take the debate off of Air India sure. for a while. Or a Goyer comes with a deal from any other Middle East carriers and say that, okay, I'm coming to the table. I want a similar deal. What would happen? Would would the government basically change their policies to suit a valuation of certain? So companies? they were being biased in the favor of jet, is what you're no, saying? No, no. I am. We're yet to see what's going to happen to the other carriers. <laughs> so it's it's too early to say. But it looks it looks certain that when the deal happened, the bilaterals in the deal happened so. But they've also signed China. bilaterals with Singapore and a host of other no, countries. No, no. They have signed. They've Hong given Kong. a ten percent increase to Singapore. Right. Uh, Lufthansa has got many more seats coming. No, that has gone. Well. Last four five years, nothing has happened no. uh, in terms of bilateral. Uh, uh, Singapore Airlines had asked for a ten percent uh, more increase. Which they just got ten percent. They just got ten percent. But what about other countries? Oman. Oman has got a few. Right. Uh, has so got it's some not seats. just Abu Dhabi. We're but this is not. This is not uh, Vishnu. This is a deal which takes you from sixteen odd thousand seats to about so uh, it's about fifty thousand. More it's important. That, yeah. Out of that hundred thousand seats, seventy to eighty percent of those seats are for one mission, because these are going to be one integrated network, one integrated sort of an uh, uh, you know uh, outfit together. Eighty percent of the combined bilaterals are for one purpose. So I want to close by saying two things, and I'll come to Air India for a minute. Uh, we must not bring uh, we must bring equitable policies, which are transparent, as Dilip said, in national interest and consumer interest. So that's that's what our objective is. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just going to interrupt you there because you've got my colleague Sandeep Pukan also tracking the story. Sandeep, how is this becoming a political issue for the government? Because you've got very senior leaders, Sitaram Yachary, head of the uh, parliamentary committee, he's opposed this. The former uh, rail minister has opposed this, um, and this parliament report actually says that there are lots of problems with this deal going through it's not national it's not in national interest so what are some of these big concerns well vishnu you know uh, when we started working on the story uh, barkha and i had some leads and went around kind of meeting people people in the parliamentary committee initially we thought that you know maybe they're ideologically opposed to the deal because remember you know a left in general has a problem with the fdi but actually it's much more than that couple of things quickly one is that uh, as you've mentioned in the wall that uh, first allegation is that you know the deal the uh, jet etihad deal coincides with government of india signing a bilateral and by virtue of signing a bilateral with abu dhabi you have many more flying rights for both etihad and jet so uh, as kapil was i think mentioning that it has worked only well for one airline something of course the airline denies and airline says that they have nothing to do with bilaterals that's a government of india policy but many are asking that why did the two coincide on the one hand you have jet airways and etihad actually signing a deal of an acquisition or a stake sale on the other hand you have government of india parallelly moving in to say that look here india and uh, abu dhabi where etihad is based needs to have more flights that's one issue the other issue that's been raised by subramaniam swami of course in his letter to the prime minister is that this has moved at rocket speed uh, under the direction of the government so uh, you know he wants he has actually said that they will move the court uh, 
And then a very crucial point, Vishnu, that the parliamentary committee, Sitara Mechuri's parliamentary committee raises, is the sale of slots. Uh, you know, Jet Airways, by virtue of bilaterals with India and UK, United Kingdom, Jet Airways has certain slots in Heathrow. Right. Now, the allegation is that some of these slots were actually transferred to Etihad, uh, which means that Etihad can use Jet Airways slots at Heathrow even before this, this deal has come through. To, to which, of course, uh, you know, Jet Airways would say that we have not sold the slots, we have leased the slots. Sure. It's only a way of earning some extra money. But I think this is going to uh, get, as I would like to put it, that the, you know, the next political fight between the UP and the opposition perhaps will be in the skies, especially with regard to this deal. All right, I'm afraid we're completely out of time on this. Go ahead, Kapil, very briefly. Just one put point, uh, quick time, and I think what Sandeep was saying is very important. I don't know who has advised the government actually to coincide the, uh, the uh, deal and the bilaterals almost same day. Somebody very intelligent must have advised them because it's very, it's very surprising that they could do it so blatantly. And so seamlessly. So seamlessly because <laughs> one day the board meeting and the same day you have a bilateral almost. So somebody must have intelligently advised them, frankly. If it was about this, the survival of jet airways, because a lot of people were saying that, then wouldn't it be also in our national interest to potentially save an airline through the strate I strategic agree. state FTI, buyout? FDI is strategic to the sector, uh, and I believe that um, you know it, it should be uh, game-changing for the entire sector. It could lead to possibly a couple of deals. Which but no? if you don't bring the valuation into, if you don't bring the bilaterals into 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 picture, the valuation is not going to be what it was. Ultimately. It's a 379 million for 24 percent, 150 million for a frequent flyer, 70 million for slots, 300 yes. million uh, on on commercial borrowings with a couple of percent interest, and this will unfurl more. Okay, it actually distorts the c uh, competitive framework. Okay, it so, distorts so the, the question is that the question is that why? And I don't know, uh, you know, Vishnu. The point I'm trying to make to you is that. I am surprised with the way it was blatantly done. Right. That you do it on the same day okay. and All the right. share okay. price. <laughs> it is blatantly done. I'm sorry, it's just running completely out of time. We are talking about aviation. Here's a story on aviation with a difference. It's an expensive option, but for patients who need to get a world-class hospital, a state-of-the-art flying ambulance is now available round the clock. It's run by the same team of doctors who flew Nirbhay to Singapore and brought back VC Shukla, the senior Congress leader from Chhattisgarh after he survived the attack by Naxals. India's first state-of-the-art air ambulance, Flying Doctors India. Tailor-made and equipped with the state-of-the-art intensive care unit on a dedicated chartered aircraft. The goal to provide critical care even when a patient is in transit. The air ambulance is being run by the same team of doctors who flew Nirbhaya to Singapore and brought back VC Shukla from Chhattisgarh. So what used to happen, we get a call, we call the uh, the airline uh, or air charter service, we mm. tell them uh, we need to go so-and-so place, they'll rip out the seats because these are commercial planes they were. So you rip out the seats and you put some sort of makeshift uh, stretcher mm. arrangement and you fly out. Mm. We have converted a Jugar into a real mm. air ambulance which has all the facilities of intensive care. Now, response time being the most crucial. This particular aircraft can be ready to fly in a matter of 20 minutes, going to a maximum of 90. This is a leap forward. Earlier aircraft would take a preparation time only of about 3 hours. Another is that this particular machine can run at length, has an endurance level of 7.5 hours. This means it can run at length 
for 7.5 hours without requiring to refuel. What used to happen hmm. uh, when, with the, like I talked about the hmm. jugar, hmm. that you'd pick up the patient on a stretcher hmm. from the ambulance, bring them in, try to get them in here. Hmm. So unnecessary movement and move, uh, you know, transporting would you can disconnect lines you can do many things wrong things mm. that can happen by this inefficiency mm. so now with this mm. we park the ambulance right here the stretcher goes up on this and it slides here so this seamlessly mm. a patient can be transferred without any disconnecting lines or you know reconnecting them and losing lines on the way or if you look at it mm. we feel that on an average mm. two to three hours can be saved by this kind of inefficiency it is still not cheap. Hiring an ambulance can cost at least 50,000 rupees per hour. But it could be the difference between life and death for patients who have no option. Flying doctors is expected to be a leap forward in catering to patients even in smaller cities. The air ambulance has rough field capability and can land even in unprepared airstrips. In New Delhi, Sonal Mehrotra for NDTV. Well, it's time now for us to take a short break. Coming up in a few moments, trending this week with my colleague Sunitra Chaudhary.